I was uh, planning on starting with the story, but I guess I sense leading otherwise. Um, with what has been shared already and the songs we sang, um, I had to think that before I get into the message, I want, want everyone to realize that what I'm about to share is not something that we should manufacture in ourselves, but that it's like Philippians, Paul wrote to um, the Philippi church, is for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Um, that's what we need to focus on and that we re rely on the finished work of Christ, and that's what I want to focus on. Is um, It's because of Him. It's because of how great He is, not how great we are. Um, I just wanted that foundation before I get started, so we're not focusing on just something to do. It's more who we are um, in Him. <clears throat> And I guess I'll do the welcome now instead of later. Um, thank you all for coming. Welcome each one. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you all. Um, the visitors especially, welcome. Um, make yourself at home. Hopefully you felt welcome. And, and especially welcome the great looking youth up front here. Um, um, thanks for being a good example, and uh, it's, it's good. We don't need a certain way. Um, we're flexible. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall never be bent out of shape. But just don't take my seat. Okay, a water bearer in India had two large pots, each hung on one on each end of a pole which was he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, and while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water in his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of his accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made, but the poor pack, cracked pot was ashamed of his own imperfections and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what, had, what it had been made for. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself. I want to apologize to you. Why, asked the bearer, what are you ashamed of? I have been able for the, these past two years to deliver only half of my load because of this crack in my side. It causes water to leak out of the way back to the master's house. Because of my flaws, you have done all of this work and don't get full value from your efforts. The water bearer felt sorry for the pot. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, 
As he went up the hill, the old crackpot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers along the path. And this cheered its some, but at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half its load. And so again, the pot apologized to the bearer for its failure. And maybe the PowerPoint has to apologize pretty soon. The bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I have always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you, you being just the way you are, you would not have, he would not have the beauty to grace his house. You know, each one of us have our own unique flaws. We're all cracked pots, so to speak. But if we allow it, the Lord will use our flaws to grace his Father's table. See, in God's great economy, nothing goes to waste. So don't be afraid of your flaws. Acknowledge them. And then you too can be a cause of beauty. He's the Redeemer. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. And always remember that in our weakness, that's where God is strong. So for the text today, Mark 10 verse 35 to 45. If you want to be great in the kingdom, listen in. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But James called them to himself and said to them, but Jesus, sorry, Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. 
But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even, and Matthew says, as the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Maybe Matthew says, and to give himself a ransom for many. So the question I have is, in our hearts, would we rather be served or would we rather serve? And when Jesus himself came, gave himself, and did, said that he did not come to be served, but to serve, when my heart has that desire to be served, am I greater than him? When Christ is in me and my life is hidden in Christ, do we think that his attitude, his character would be reflected in and through our lives? Would we think that we would also have that attitude? You know, that we are we're not here to be served, but we're here to serve, to further his kingdom. However, I want to give you a balance, though, right now, before I go on, that you, I don't want us to think that we need to be on such a plane that there's just no error whatsoever. We do fall short. Please understand this. I'm not trying to teach this extreme spiritualization or whatever you want to call it. We still have that, as long as we live, we have that human desire that we need to be aware of. And when we're weary, that's when I fail. I'm telling you, I do not have all this in order. There's times I want to be served. There were times when I said, well, when's my turn? I'm giving and giving and giving When's my turn? Who's ever going to see me? Who's going to ask me out for a coffee? I'm here to tell you I'm sorry. That was not a Christ-like attitude. So I just want you to know, I'm talking to myself here too. I'm not standing here of one who is above it all. Or we may think that, well, I don't have the gift of serving, so I don't need to. Well, First Peter. Peter says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers the multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified 
through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So shall it be. That's who we are to be. When He comes in and we're filled with His love, it just motivates us, it just flows that we serve with the gift that He has given in that new birth. And I want to assure you that in your new birth and encourage you, you received a gift or gifts and to enable you to serve. He does not leave us handicapped. And like I said, I'm not going to give you a list and, okay, now you go serve here, you go serve here, you go do this, you go do that. That's the Holy Spirit's work. That's not ours. And also, Jesus came and he gave himself a ransom for many. You know, I can give money and not give myself. I can give my time and not give myself. But when, if I just do it when it's convenient or if it's just out of duty, but when it's that love and compassion that, and the Holy Spirit just guides us into, leads us into all truth, that's when we give ourselves. He's in control. And then when we go and serve, we go and visit. We go and whatever the need is. We preach, whatever. We give ourselves. But if it's, and it's all pointing to Jesus and giving God the glory, bringing glory to Him, bringing glory to His kingdom, trying to further the kingdom, to grow the kingdom. It's not about myself and looking good. Whew, I did my part. Hey, ting, ting, ting. Did you see what I did over here? That's not giving yourself. That's bringing glory to yourself. It's more when we just give ourselves. There, in the end, it's just, Lord, when, we did, when did we see you this way? It's just our life. We gave ourselves. We'll get to that later. <clears throat> In that, Paul also wrote, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance... I guess I'm still on. And being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see... Humility is the key in serving. It, um, and humility, I have my own little definition for it. But first of all, humility comes from repenting from pride. Then humility 
is having the correct perspective of God causing us then to have the, the correct perspective of ourselves. Let me illustrate. Isaiah, the great prophet, when he came face to face with God, he fell flat on his face. He had the correct perspective of God. Oh, the wretch I am. But yet he was a prophet of God. Look at what all he accomplished. But yet when you come face to face with God and you see him for who he is, and when we can have that correct perspective, we'll have a correct perspective of ourselves. And then we'll be willing to serve rather than try and be served. So that's why I say it takes humility to be serving. It's also a byproduct of Christ within us. And with the Holy Spirit, He fills us. And Christ coming in, He fills us with His perfect love, enabling us to love others with His perfect love. The love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, that's the other key ingredient of serving is love. Humility with love. And that's, that's actually a, uh, it's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the first attribute or whatever character of the Spirit, the fruit, is it's not fruits, it's fruit. It's love. And out of that love comes peace and joy. And joy has a different meaning than happy. You know, joy does not depend on circumstances. Happiness somewhat depends on circumstances. But you can be in the midst of a trial and still, like the loss of my mom. I wasn't happy, but still I had that inner joy. Does that make sense? That's what the Holy Spirit brings. It's love, peace, joy. Cause you to be long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't know there's another one. But anyway, you get the point. But that will be our life. And that, if you look at all those, that looks like serving. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, that's really the attributes of serving. And we become channels of that love. <clears throat> Mark was an 11-year-old orphan who lived with his aunt, a bitter, middle-aged woman, greatly annoyed with the burden of caring for her sister's son. She never failed to remind young Mark, if it hadn't been for her generosity, he would be a vagrant, homeless waif. Still, with all the scolding and coldness at home, he was a sweet and gentle child. Mark's school teacher had not noticed him particularly until he began staying after class each day. 
at the risk of arousing his aunt's anger, she later heard, to help her straighten up the room. They did this quietly and comfortably, not speaking much, but enjoying the solitude of that hour of the day. When they did talk, Mark, Mark spoke mostly of his mother. Though he was quite small when she died, he remembered a kind, gentle, loving woman who always spent much time with him. As Christmas drew near, however, Mark failed to stay after school each day. His teacher looked forward to his coming, and when the days passed and he continued to scamper hurriedly from the room after class, she stopped him one afternoon and asked why he no longer helped her in the room. She told him how she had missed him, and his large gray eyes lit up eagerly as he replied, Do you really miss me? Mark's teacher explained how he had been her best helper. I am making you a surprise, he whispered confidentially. Confidently, it's for Christmas. With that, he became embarrassed and dashed from the room. Finally came the last day of school before Christmas. Mark crept slowly into the room late that afternoon with his hands concealing something behind his back. I have your presence, he said timidly when his teacher looked up. I hope you will like it. He held out his hand, and there lying in his small palms was a tiny wooden box. It's beautiful, Mark. Is there something in it? She asked, opening the top to look inside. Oh, you can't see what's in it, he replied, and you can't touch it or taste it or feel it. But Mother always said it makes you feel good all the time. Warm on cold nights and safe when you're all alone. She gazed into the empty box. What is it, Mark? She asked gently. That will make me feel so good. It's love, he whispered softly. And Mother said, it's best if you give it away. Oh, what we can't learn from children. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, Galatians 5, 13 6 to 16. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we lack the willingness or we lack serving one another. Could it be that we've lost our first love? What would Jesus write us? What would Jesus write to me as he did to the churches? Have we lost that love that Jesus Christ has put into our hearts at the new birth? That we're so passionate for Him, that we're so passionate about everything else, you know, as far as passionate for His kingdom, passionate for His people, passionate for those who are lost. Have we lost that? Or is that fire still burning in your soul? Do you feel the same way as you did on that day? 
I ask myself that. But so many times the flesh wants to be served and honored. It's but every morning we need to be so reliant on the Holy Spirit that we can't possibly even take another step or make the next decision without Him. That we invite Him every morning, every step of the way. Will you be with me? Will you guide me? Will you help me? As a, as a swing man, sometimes I get in some very predicaments in some of these units. Um, they choose the biggest guy to get in the smallest hole. And sometimes, and this is not tooting my horn, sometimes I'm struggling and struggling, and finally it's just, Lord, I can't do this. Give me wisdom. I need to get it done, but it's not working. I'm frustrated. And I think I can say always, he shows a way that it gets done. And so I've learned, actually, when I get into a situation, a hard thing is overlaying a wall when you come around something with that thin, sticky vinyl that just wants to ripple and crinkle. And after the third try or whatever, you kind of get frustrated. You know, this should be done already. And I'm learning. Lord, could you just guide my hands? He cares of little things in little details. He wants that childlike faith. He wants that. And when we're faithful in the little things, we can also be great, faithful in the greater things. And when he is in control of our heart, I can assure you that we will be willing to give ourselves and serve others. And it's not so much where and how, it's you've got to serve. That's what we're here for. May I tell you one more story? Jesus used parables. There once was an old stone monastery tucked away in the middle of the picturesque forest. For many years, people would make the significant detour required to seek out this monastery. The peaceful spirit of the place was healing for the soul. In recent years, however, fewer and fewer people were making their way the monks had grown jealous and petty in their relationship with one another, and the animosity was felt by those who visited. The abbot of the monastery was distressed by what was happening and poured out his heart to a good friend, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a wise old Jewish rabbi. Having heard the tale of woe, he asked if he would, could offer a suggestion. Please do, responded abbot, anything you can offer. Jeremiah said that he had received a vision 
an important vision, and the vision was this. The Messiah was among the ranks of the monks. The abbot was flabbergasted. One among his own was the Messiah. Who could it be? He knew he wasn't himself, but who? He raced back to the monastery and shared his exciting news with his fellow monks. The monks grew silent as they looked at each other's faces. Was this one the Messiah? From that day on, the mood had changed. Joseph and Ivan started talking again, neither wanting to be guilty of sliding the Messiah. Pierre and Nabu um, left behind their frosty anger and sought out each other's forgiveness. The monks began serving each other, looking out for opportunities to assist, seeking healing and forgiveness where offenses had been given. As one traveler then another found their way to the monastery, word soon spread about the remarkable spirit of the place. People once again took the journey and found themselves renewed and transformed, all because these monks knew, monks knew the Messiah was among them. Do you know the Messiah is among us? Because he's living in th within us. And if, if we see each other as Jesus Christ, would we serve each other? When someone is lonely, would we go visit? If Jesus would be sitting somewhere lonely, would we go visit him? I think we would. And just a reminder, what we do and don't do to each other, the least of these, we do or don't do to him. Matthew 25, 40. And Jesus said, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And I believe if we would see Messiah, Jesus, in everyone, I think sometimes, I must, I personally, we treat, di treat people differently. You see, when we have the correct perspective, it humbles us and enables us to love with a pure love. And out of that, we serve others. As a child of God, we're called to serve. So, if you want to be great in the kingdom, Become a servant. Serve. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father.
thank you for reminding me again the importance of serving. That a man is no fool to give and give and give. And give and give and give. Oh, Father, we cry out to You that You would renew the right spirit within us. Where we have lacked in serving, enable us, Lord, by Your grace. Guide us by Your Spirit. Show us, Lord. Give us Your eyes that we can see those that need to be served. That we can be Your hands and feet. That we can be your ear to listen. Or that we can be that shoulder that someone can cry on. Lord, we know many times they don't need answers. They just need someone. Someone who cares. And Father, I know that you have created each one of us And I know each one of us is capable of caring because we're made into your image. We're created in your image. So Father, where we failed, oh, forgive us. We ask that you would take back the ground that we had given to the enemy through whatever it was. Pride or Whatever. Maybe just mediocrity. Or just contentment. Or maybe it's discontentment. Take back that ground, Lord. We want to yield to your control. You take control, Lord. We are yours. For your kingdom for your honor and for your glory. Use us, Lord. Just fall afresh on us, Lord, with your spirit. And continually keep filling us that we're just overflowing and that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. That is our desire, Lord. That we don't just see the end of our nose and just my own little world. I confess, Lord, sometimes I'm there. I don't see beyond myself. But Lord, may we see what you see. May we pursue the greater picture. In the end, we'll know as we are known. Father, we trust you. We believe that you're going to do wonderful works through us yet. May we have a heart that is humble and full of your love, eager to serve each other and others around us, the community, wherever, we, wherever you send us, Lord. May we have a heart that serves.
We love you, Lord. We are so grateful of what you've done for us, in us, and through us. You deserve to be worshipped, Lord. You are so worthy of our praise and honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.